Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. This is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi. This is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm J.K. Amanu, the writer, director of Deviation. Hi, this is Benoit Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart, page the screen, dot com up in my blog piece. Snooch, hear that? It's my motorcycle running and tracking over my fucking snooch, genius, with Dom, eating pizza, and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Road Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. I'm Jeff Farmer, director, producer of Dead Air. The From Page to Screen Moviecast. So yeah, welcome to the first of three parts. Now this is a slightly different podcast series of episodes. It is designed to sort of teach you a little bit more about movie scores and everybody's familiar with movie soundtracks like everybody at one point has owned the Top Gun soundtrack Lost Boys soundtrack or the soundtrack from Pretty Woman or or Flashdance or something I own most of those downstairs on CD but there's a lot of film scores Sean and I were chatting about what our favourite film scores were and then we decided to do a podcast episode about that but to break it down a little bit more and do our favourite tracks from specific scores so, you know, it'd be very easy to say, yes, Superman the movie by John Williams, but we need to know which favourite track that would be if it was on our list. It's not on mine, unfortunately. Um, how did you find doing this list, Sean? Did you find it easy or did you find it really difficult? To uh, to, to whittle it down was really difficult for me um, because they, uh, there I feel like there are some scores that are really meant to be listened to as an entire piece. Um, you know, I, I don't have any gladiator on my list, but actually if you have that CD, um, there kind of are no track breaks. They kind of just all go into one another. Um, and, and, uh, like Crimson Tide is the same way. They just sort of blend. Um, so yeah, really, I mean, I, I, I certainly have my favorites on individual scores, but it was hard to sort of say, well, out of these 12 tracks or whatever, I guess it's going to be this one. Did you get to the point, I know I did, where I looked at the list and I tried to get 10. I think I ended up with about 13, so I may try and whittle down to 10. But I ended up looking at it going, yeah, I've got way too many Hans Zimmer tracks in there. (laughs) (laughs) Or did you find that you had way too many of one composer or have you got a wide varied? Um, They're pretty varied. I I purposely only put one Hans in there. I, I could have put many, many more. Uh, but I purposely did one, but then at the same time I ended up with like three Thomas Newmans. Um, so I have a Thomas Newman one in mind as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, at a certain point I, I kind of have my go-to guys, you know, that I listen to and, and Hans Zimmer is the top of the list, but I figured you would have Hans as well. So 
I did. One one is probably sufficient. I um, what I also found as well is I mean I've been doing this thing for a couple of weeks now. I ended up with a list, put them all on the iPod, listened to them, going, "Yep, that deserves to be in there." And there was several tracks that were all different tracks, but they all kind of sounded similar. Mm. So I'm like, "Damn, I actually have a type of track that I like." I never, I was never <laughs> aware of that. that there was a certain design of music that that I appreciated. So. Yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. And we've also, I think we've got one duplicate, which even you don't know what the duplicate is, but I was showing Annette and I'm like, Sean's got this on his list. She's like, that's amazing, because she loves that track too. So we do actually have a duplicate. Okay, well, I'm curious. That is pretty cool. So, uh, I mean, what was your first ever soundtrack that you were probably aware of buying maybe, or just listening to a lot when you were... Uh, like film scores i mean the first soundtrack i ever got into was probably ghostbusters uh in 84 Uh, but the first film score that i that i remember uh i had the lp of return of the jedi like the double double vinyl return of the jedi um and remember that very well um That may be the first score album I ever bought. I think for me, it would have been Star Wars. Uh, Then uh, Ghostbusters, I certainly had. I think everybody had that back in 84, didn't they? Laura Laura Branigan and and whatnot. Yeah. Um, And Star Trek The Motion Picture. And I had a lot of the orchestral stuff back when I was probably about nine or ten. Was that uh, the first movie? Was that John Barry? The what the first Star Trek one? Goldsmith, Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, yeah, I think think it was, wasn't it? Yep, definitely. So I am very curious to see what you've got in your list, and well, I I kind of know, but I'm curious to see what these tracks mean to you and stuff. So go for it. Let's let's see what you've got. Well, so uh, these are, by the way, in no particular order. They're just how they happen to hit my brain uh, when I when I sat down to like think of stuff that I'd been listening to. Um, so the first one is uh, a piece of music by John Ottman, who's actually a really interesting guy because he's not only a composer on most of the movies that he scores, but also the film editor. Um, highly unusual. Um, but Xavier's theme from uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, It's just, it really, it it starts off as a sort of really melancholy uh, piece, and it actually is somewhat reminiscent of uh, another one on my list, which we'll get to, um, which is actually going to be the second one I mentioned probably. But anyway, um, it's just a really beautiful piece of music um, and, and sort of quiet, but it builds and it has a lot of power to it, so... John Ottman.
Xavier's theme. Which you have just heard, yeah. John Ottman, he also did the Superman Returns, didn't he, if I remember rightly enough? Yeah, yeah. I think. He, he, he's a regular uh, collaborator of uh, Brian Singer, um, yes. both, both as composer and editor. I think he also did the score for Valkyrie, um, and, and he did, uh, I'm pretty sure he did X2, yeah, I think. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what, what's next? Uh, so next is one that uh, it's funny if you go looking on YouTube. This is one that is probably uh, among Hans Zimmer's most popular uh, ones that people try to cover because it's fairly simple, at least in the in the beginning. But uh, time from Inception. Yes, I do love the Inception soundtrack. I've got that one as well. It's really incredible and and often mimicked by other composers, mostly because filmmakers put it in as temp score and then they just fall in love with how amazing the piece is. And they say, yeah, just do that. Um, so there's actually, uh, there's a Henry Jackman cue from captain Phillips, uh, which is virtually the same piece of music, slightly rearranged, but, uh, and, and equally good. But, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, track from the end of inception is just perfect.
so my third one is uh, this is one that is really interesting because not a lot of people talk about it. Um, they, they do talk about the film. I, I don't hear people talk about the score so much. And the composer has more or less vanished. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's still alive, but I really don't know where he is or why he's not doing films anymore. But uh, his name is, and I may mispronounce his last name, but Craig Safan. And oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the uh, the main theme from The Last Starfighter. Yeah, he did all uh, – didn't he do some of the Nightmare on Elm Streets and stuff, didn't he, back in the day? I think he may have done that. He also did a, a really sort of kitschy, fun 80s movie called um, – boy, I just blanked on this. Fred Ward and uh, – Did you not Remo? Yeah, Remo. Remo, yeah, yeah. That's just come out on Blu-ray over here in the UK. Yeah. Funky special edition. So. Remo is really like super synthesizer-y, you know, 80s goofiness. But Last Starfighter is a full-on orchestral, you know, march. And man, is it good. Yeah, looking at Craig Safan's, he hasn't composed anything since 2010. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how old he is. Maybe, maybe he's passed away. I, I really. I don't know. He was I, born, born in 1948, and he's still alive. 
All right. Well, there you go. I mean, I can't figure it out. I'd hire the guy tomorrow be just based on this theme alone. I mean, it's literally like one of the best theme marches with the little love theme that mixes into it. It's just brilliant. Nice. Oh, a damn good film as well. Yeah. So how are you going to follow up The Last Starfighter? Uh, so this is this is sort of honorable mention. I'm 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 really still stuck in the 80s at this moment. So um, they have just released La La Land Records, which has nothing to do with the film. Uh, La La Land Records has just released a limited pressing of uh, the original scores to Beverly Hills Cop and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, so these are Harold Faltemeyer, who is also known for the, the Top Gun anthem um, and the Top Gun score, um, and Fletch, which is also great. Um, and he did a Christian Slater movie called Cuffs. Uh, and he did Cop Out recently, uh, not recently, but with uh, Kevin Smith, the Bruce Willis film, because Kevin Smith was so in love with these scores. But they were not released for whatever it is now, 30 three years or something like that. Yep. Um, the best you could get was the Axel F theme um, from the original, you know, pop album with the Pointer Sisters and, and Glenn Fry. Um, but like I said, La La Land Records, you can get it now as long as they still have them. They limited pressing of 3000 discs. Um, and uh, this track is called Zach Shoots and it takes place uh, in the end of the film when they're, when they're in Victor Maitland's house um, and they've, and, and Taggart and Rosewood are stuck out in the garden and, um, Axel is in the house by himself and Zach's sort of hunting him and man, I just love it. love Harold Faltermeyer stuff. I use part of a Harold Faltermeyer track from The Running Man as the underlaying part of the podcast theme song. Because <laughs> oh, I just cool. love it. Um, so, yep. Yeah, so, following up Beverly Hills Cop with Zach Shoots. What's next? Yeah. So, um, I go to the guy that sort of first made me realize that film scores were a thing and you could actually buy them, and that's John Williams. Um, and it's from E.T. It's not... Um, the one that most people think of. It's not the main theme or even the end theme. It's a track called At Home. Um, and it begins when uh, Elliot and his brother are in the garage and they're looking for parts uh, for E.T. to be able to build his little, you know, uh, satellite radar thing to, to call home. And then it takes a little subtle shift 
um, when the camera goes outside and you realize that the NASA guys are in their van and they're driving through the neighborhood trying to listen into people's conversations. Um, and it gets this sort of, you know, a little bit of the sinister NASA theme in it, which is really cool.
Nice. Yeah, I have the ET score downstairs, so I'm not listening to that. I have the big uh, deluxe edition with both versions of the movies, walkie-talkies and shotguns. Oh, boy. So, and the, uh, the soundtrack is part of that, so I shall probably listen to that at some point and track down at home. Yeah. So, uh, yep. So what's next? So the next one, another John Williams. Um, and this is just the one that just always uh, uh, comes to me randomly while I'm doing tasks sometimes, <laughs> particularly if I'm building something, and it's called Preparing the Cage from Jaws. Um, and in the film, it's just that moment where they go, well, you know, what are we going to do? And it's one of the best cuts in the movie, actually, is when you see Dreyfus um, and, and it looks like it's still part of the other scene. But then the cage literally comes up towards the lens as they start to build. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's one of those moments where Williams is just feeding off the imagery to create something that that fits perfectly.
this. I love how a lot of the Jaws score is so simple. Yeah, it's still one of the best scores out there. Yeah, I went back and forth. I was I was going to do it was either going to be preparing the cage or father and son, which is just that little soft thing when when uh, it was actually an improvised scene in the film when Scheider's sitting at the dinner table with his little four year old boy. Yeah. And the boy starts mimicking him because that just hearing that that cue from the movie can make me cry practically. Um, but preparing the cage ultimately is is just this sort of rousing one that that I had to do. Right. Well, following up from the mighty John Williams, who is the next composer? Um, what film and track have they done? Uh, so this will be one of one of three Thomas Newmans. Um, Thomas Newman, who again got nominated this year. Uh, for an Oscar for Passengers, uh, didn't win. Um, but this track is called Rock Island 1931, and it's from Road to Perdition. It's essentially the opening of the film, and it's really beautiful. Nice. I'm looking forward to listening to the Road to Perdition track again because I've seen the film not for a long, long time, but I do remember the the visuals on it are amazing, and the score was impressive as well. I'm a huge fan of Thomas Newman's. Yeah, it's really. got um, it's very sort of got this Irish theme to it this sort of irish influence um because i guess i, I think in the film uh, i watched it recently but it didn't occur to me but they're they're pretty much irish mafia in chicago um and and so the, he's got a bit of the you know the bagpipes maybe in there i think um and uh yeah it just it just really sets up the movie so well so rock island 1931 
Right, so taking us from 1931, which track is next? Uh, we're going to jump ahead maybe a good 10, 15 years uh, into the 40s or early 50s, I think the 40s, for the Shawshank Redemption. And again, Thomas Newman. Uh, this one is from near the end of the film. It's called So Was Red. Uh, and it is the bit where uh, Morgan Freeman uh, basically decides he's going to bust parole again and go find Andy Dufresne down in Mexico. Um, and carves his name up where uh, where Brooks did in that same little sort of flop house. Um, it's just a, a, a beautiful theme. It weaves itself into the end theme when when you do see Morgan Freeman as Red arrive on the beach. Um, but it's very much melancholy, um, which may actually be a theme in sort of the, a lot of the score cues that I listen to. But um, it's so indicative of the character in the film and there's a bit of hope in it which is also the theme of that film so it really hits me Most people think of the operatic scene, don't they, when they uh, think of the music from Shawshank. Yeah, in the yard with it. Yeah, the, the big aerial shots with the women singing. Yeah. <laughs> 
So how do you follow up a track from the Shawshank Redemption? What's next? Uh, well, I stay with Thomas Newman, but I go much happier and very sort of um, energetic. And it's from WALL-E, uh, the Pixar film. And it's called Define Dancing. And it's the sequence where uh, WALL-E and Eva are outside of the giant buy more ship and, and using the little fire extinguisher to float around space. And it's, uh, it's just, I mean, in the movie itself, it's a gorgeous sequence. It's just so happy. Um, and the music really just supports it. choice yep i, I want to watch that right now so yep so what's next following up the little droids yeah so i stayed on the theme of, of sort of friendship um i'm going to uh john powell who's also one of my favorite composers um it was a big sort of thing for me not to go immediately to one of the born films um but when i first saw the movie how to train your dragon uh, there's a cue called forbidden friendship. Um, and it does something that I, that I discovered, um, that I really like in, in film scores, which is something that I had to look up. It's called, uh, contra tempo. And it's basically where there are, it's, it's as if there are two levels of, of music happening simultaneously doing different things, but uh, creating this, this sort of I don't know. It's like it's a hand-in-hand thing. They're just doing opposites. 
and one is slightly above and one is slightly lower, but they're just um, creating something really amazing. So this track, um, and there will be another one by a different composer um, shortly down my list, but but this one does that really amazingly, and it also has uh, another thing that I really like in, in score cues, which is where there's a, a, a build that you can feel kind of from the midpoint that by the end just takes off. Um, and this track, Forbidden Friendship, does all of that.
you know, that's something you're going to notice when I get through to my tracks is that slow build. That's what I, I didn't know that I liked that sort of track until I listened to them all. I'm like, actually, that's obviously the type of thing I like, the slow building. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so uh, my next one is another John Powell. Um, and this one is from uh, Born Supremacy. Uh, so you did, you did go to a Bourne movie. Well, I, I kind of had to. I mean, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm a huge Powell fan, so I, I, I have everything from Face Off to, you know, um, I mean, I, I have all of his tracks. But, uh, but this particular one, again, sticking with the melancholy, uh, is called Funeral Pyre. Um, and it also has the build that we were talking about. Um, John Powell likes to use those sort of Asian drums, those big, massive drums. Um, he does in all of his scores almost, I think. I mean, even United 93, like they're, they turn up all the time. This one, um, starts off very slowly and quietly because it's a bit where born, um, Marie uh, is no longer with him. Um, and he's lit a small fire and he's basically burning all his photographs and his memories of her, um, but uh, by the end of it, it, it's sort of signaling that, that Bourne has a new mission. Um, so it's really cool. I do love the Bourne soundtracks. I think Waterloo was a track that very nearly made it into my list. Mm, yeah, great one. So, what have you got for your 12th track on this list? <laughs> Am I really going through all these? You can, put- uh, you, you can go till you wish to stop. If there's any on that list where you go, do you know what? I think 
I've hit the top ones, then uh, it's totally free will up to yourself. No, okay, so I'll keep going. So uh, yep. James Newton Howard, another composer who's, I mean, he works constantly, but I feel like he's a bit underrated. But um, certainly for this film, which uh, a lot of people didn't like, I don't love, but this score uh, for Lady in the Water, there's a cue called The Healing. Um, and it's just really lovely and sort of magical. And so that's why I picked it. Cool. A film I've not seen, but I've heard many stories. <laughs>
And 13 is generally unlucky, but hopefully not in this case. What have you got for your 13th track? Um, sticking with James Newton Howard, but um, talking about that build again, uh, this is from Signs, and it is called The Hand of Fate Part 1. They're actually on the on the album itself. There are two tracks. There's Hand of Fate Part 1 and Hand of Fate Part 2, and they're almost seamless in, in sort of their merge. Um, but this is the one that's uh, it's sort of the climactic point of the film where the realization comes out, and man, does he kill it in this. And this also features the, the thing I was talking about with the contra tempo where the main theme in the movie, which is essentially just three notes, sort of a riff on Jaws in a, in a way, just the did-it-it, and by the end of it, he's doing that main theme with something else going on underneath. And the build is maybe, maybe for my money, one of the best ever.
Good, good. Two Shyamalan things in a in the same list. Of just yeah, that. yeah. Good going. He's back. Um, yep. Next one is a couple of guys that this is the only score I have by them. I'm not. I've not looked them up. I'm not even sure what other films, if any, they've done. Uh, but uh, Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow uh, did Ex Machina, and the cue is called Ava. Okay, so next I'm going to go back to the 80s again, uh, and and I'll stay there for the next two. Um, Bill Conti is a guy who most people know from, you know, Rocky. Um, But in the 80s, he did some smaller films that that became sort of well-known, and one of them is FX with Brian Brown uh, and Brian Dennehy. Uh, Oddly, it's a film that people seem to have forgotten about a bit, uh, I still love it. I watch it once in a while. I think um, it's one of those stories that you could actually remake now. It would still play. Um, but just the main title, I, I think, is very ominous and uh, and really has always stuck with me since I first saw it. And if I'm not mistaken, this one is another um, score soundtrack that was a limited release. So I don't even know if you can get any more. But if you can... Um, It's definitely worth looking up, Bill Conti.
FX1 and FX2 definitely worth watching. You can get away with skipping the TV series, though, because they sort of rebooted it, recast it. It's not as good as the movies. I didn't even know they did that. So Yeah, yeah they did. I think it was one of these one season, and then it went away sort of things. But the, the two films are really good, but the series is not so much. Yeah. So what so have next, we got for your 16th track? My my next uh, track, and I'm I'm getting near the end of the list almost, sort of, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, uh, I'm sticking with Bill Conti. Um, when I was a kid, I guess this was probably around – what is that, 80, 83, 84, um, I went and saw a movie called The Karate Kid. Yep, 84. And, uh, and during the opening titles of that movie, um, there was a specific moment where he did something that I just thought was was great. And it was so, you know, if you think back, The Karate Kid's about Ralph Macchio's mom moving them from Jersey to California. And the opening titles is their road trip to California. And there's a brief bit where they're suddenly in the in the California or not California, sorry, like Arizona desert, uh, the Red Rocks, and their station wagons just sort of prattling along, and uh, and then you get to these sort of majestic, um, you know, monument valley sort of rock formations, and these horns come in, and when the horns come in, it it like gave me chills for some reason as a kid. I was like, oh. That's great, you know? Um, So I picked the main theme from The Karate Kid. Thank you. 
Good choice. Yep, and a lot better than the remake. The remake was okay, but it was Kung Fu, not correct. Yeah, exactly. They just called it Kung Fu Kid. You know, go back and watch the original one with Ralph and Pat. Um, Michael Dana. Michael Dana is my next uh, composer. Um, Not one of the most famous guys out there, not even one of the busiest guys out there, but um, he did uh, Moneyball which in its year, despite not being a sports fan at all, was one of my favorite films that year. Um, And this particular cue is called It's a Process, which uh, is actually a line that uh, Brad Pitt, as Billy Bean says in the film. Um, It's a very soft theme, mostly strings that just, uh, but again, it has that build. Um, And it's the, the piece of music from the film that probably more than any other Um, really hit me. So like you'd mentioned, we are getting towards the end of the list. What have you got for 18? Uh, So this will be the first of the last four for me. So um, always been a fan of the Harry Potter films. Um, I love, obviously, what John Williams did to set up uh, the first two films. Um, Then they went away and they went to another composer. Nicholas Hooper came in for a little while. I'd never felt like he quite... Uh, captured the magic that Williams did. Um, But in the later films, Alexandre Desplat, a a Frenchman, came in who has really just been on a tear lately. He did Argo. He's done uh, Philomena. um, Just a bunch of really beautiful, beautiful scores. Um, And this particular one was for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows uh, Part 1. Yeah, I think Part 1. And it's called Obliviate. And if I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen the film in a while, but I think it's the the piece that opens the film.
so next, I'm going to stick with Alexander, but we're going to do Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, and this is Lily's theme. It's, uh, it's uh, Lily is, of course, Harry's mother. And uh, it's a very, very haunting track. There's a sort of just a, a, a solo woman's voice before the music finally comes up really soft under. And, uh, yeah, again, just Alexander Desplat in the last few years has just been killing it. So a nice little double bill of Harry Potter tracks there. Yeah. Um, my next one is interesting because it's a band um, who also, you know, occasionally directors will pull in a band to do a score and they usually partner them with somebody who's done scores before. Uh, but in this case, it's Explosions in the Sky is the band and the composer is Steve Jablonski and or Jablonski. I'm not sure how he pronounces that. And the track is called Never, Never, Never Give Up from Lone Survivor. Nice. I have a Steve Jablonski track in my list as well, so it's good to hear Steve get a shout-out. Yeah, I mean, I we've talked, I think we talked on, on another podcast about his stuff for uh, Transformers um, and some really excellent work there. This one's different. I think uh, Explosions in the Sky is a very sort of guitar-based band, not electric guitars, but sort of like... You know, this soft, moody guitar type stuff. Um, I actually think they also used an Explosions in the Sky track on the on the trailer for Moneyball. Um, 
but uh yeah the the mix of these two together his his sort of ability to really do tight orchestral scores and the melancholy of this band's guitar stuff um, makes this a particularly beautiful track And it brings us to the 21st track and final track, as far as I know, on your list. So <laughs> is this next track, is there a, an ultimate favorite track that you've got, or does it depend on what mood you're in? No, I, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I listen to different stuff all the time. I, I usually, when I get something brand new, it'll just stay on repeat in my, in my phone and in my headphones for a couple of weeks. Um, and lately that's been the Harold Faltermeyer, the Beverly Hills cop stuff. Cause I almost can't believe that 33 years later I get to hear the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they're sort of, I'm all over the place with scores. I mean, I, it's, it's almost the only thing I listen to except for, you know, some Ed Sheeran or Sia or something like that now and again. Um, the next track is, is different for me because it's, it's from TV. Um, I don't, usually 
you know, listen to a lot of TV scores. I don't, I don't think they're so great. Um, I probably started with Giacchino stuff for lost is when I started going, Oh, this, you know, they're doing some really nice stuff now. Um, and I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that Giacchino and, and Abrams were the first guys who were pushing to actually use orchestras as opposed to synthesizers to, you know, even, even if you go back to like the West wing, the the theme in the in, in the first season of the West Wing is very clearly not an actual orchestra. But yep. I think by season three, they got an orchestra to record it and it makes a world of difference. Um and then occasionally, you know, you have people like Thomas Newman do the the um the theme to the newsroom and then then I get it. You know, then I'm like, I gotta get that. That's beautiful. Like James Newton Howard did with ER, I think, didn't he? Which obviously not an orchestral type yeah, thing. But. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of synthesizer keyboard type stuff. But one of the guys out, I mean, the Bear McCreary, there's a lot of guys doing it now. And, and TV uh, uh, producers have certainly opened up and realized that they they should make room in their budgets to, to have real orchestras play these, these cues. Um, but one of the guys who, in my opinion, is doing it probably better than anybody is uh ramin javadi and uh his work on all of the seasons of game of thrones has just sort of melted my brain at how amazing this stuff is but in particular this cue called the light of the seven which is season six which is sort of the big the big reveal that uh cersei was up to no good um is one of the best pieces of music for television that I have probably ever heard in my life. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the theme of the show, which is great. Um, but it is so good that other people have already stolen it and have started using it for other things. Like I believe, uh, the force awakens used it for one of their behind the scenes videos before the film came out. Um, or, or maybe it was for rogue one, but, um, it's just such an incredible, incredible piece of music that it's, you know, I mean, the filmmaking on that, on that show is, I don't think we've ever seen the likes of it on television, but um, his, his work for the, for the score matches that. I mean, the whole scene, you know, not just the music, but that whole opening scene is some of the best television that I've seen in years. Yeah. Mind blowing. Uh, it's like a nine nine minute track or something. It's not the shortest track around, is it? But it's you never get tired of it. Yeah, and well, I mean, it's literally like you know, I've I've gone back and watched the episode just to see how he's sort of weaving in this stuff. What you know, the imagery you're seeing and how it's matching the action. Uh, it's just it's just crazy. It's such a good piece of music.
that rounds out your list. Yeah. Was it fun to put the list together? Or was it sort of was it kind of painful because you felt bad for leaving some out? Well, I mean, if if we want to do a follow up show in the future of of more of this, I mean, I've I've got plenty that I that I left off. Like I said, this isn't not any sort of like you know preferential order or anything like that. I listened to all of these guys and 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 a whole ton more, um, and I could go on and on. Like I said, I only included one Zimmer here, but I have. Uh, the 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 uh, distinct pleasure of having met Zimmer, and he gave me a bunch of his unreleased stuff. So I have more Zimmer than most people, um, <laughs> you know. And actually, John Powell and and um, a couple guys like that. Even uh, you, since you love K-Pax, uh, the composer of that, uh, they never released his scores for the Charlie's Angels films. His, um, yeah. but he gave them to me. So I mean, I I'm such a score nut that. We could easily, you could say, hey, Sean, let's do seven more shows on the scores and I'd be able to fill it up. Fantastic. So you just what you're going to do, though, is, or I, I can actually do it, I'll keep a list of the ones we've, discu- you know, we've discussed. Okay. Because <laughs> it'd be so easy to duplicate them. Yeah. It would in well, my case, anyway. Actually, it's, it's, it's uh, I'll save it for a future show, but I just, I, I still haven't seen the film, but somebody played me a cue from Hidden Figures. Yep. Um, which is credited to um, Pharrell and a guy named Benjamin Walfish, who used to be like an orchestrator for Steve Yablonski and Zimmer, and now apparently he's scoring. And I listened to two cues from Hidden Figures and was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'll get it. I haven't even seen the film. I'm going to get the score. So That's one of the reasons I'm excited about a new Transformers movie, actually, not for the film, but <laughs> for the actual score. So, you know, yeah. we shall see. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.